connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. If you have a Bible, take it and turn me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We just as much, even more so, love the Word of God. And uh, so that was a decent... So Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We love the Word of God. It's, it is, uh, it's, it's the book of life to us. It's the direction. It's a roadmap. It's a love letter. It's a hope. It's a blessed hope. It's all the things that we need. It's in the book. And I know sometimes we read it like it's a history lesson, but it is, it is relevant. It's right now. It's practical. It's real. It's in this moment if you'll let him speak to you today. And I believe he's going to do that in your life in this, in this room today. Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2 have two verses to read. And then we're going to hang out more so in the Gospels today. So I hope you'll keep your Bible open. We're going to flip, flip over back and forth in a couple of places. But uh, I want to start. These are two verses that are heavy on my heart right now. And, and uh, I'm, just, I'm just pumped. I want to read them to you. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. When you got it, say amen. Amen. Y'all did good. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We know there was a very, very sad race that just happened this past week at the Boston Marathon. It was a very tragic situation. I'm thankful that hopefully there is a uh, been some type of conclusion, I guess, uh, to, to the capture. I hope that's was who did it, and I hope they get justice. And, and, uh, but those guys signed up and are running a 26.2, I believe, miles. And uh, you don't run 26.2 miles without understanding that that thing has to end at some point. You have to understand there is a finish line if you just keep running. And so those guys just kept running. So 26.2 miles. And in this race, says, run with endurance. I've been in this thing a little bit for now for, oh, man, ministry. I don't know how long now, 17 years, I guess. And, uh, and it's just uh, kind of amazing to me. Sometimes I see so many people sprint out of that box. And uh, I, I did a 5K race one time, and I, I, it was a guy lined up beside me, and and I didn't think he was much of a runner, um, just by appearance. But, you know, again, looks can be deceiving, as we're going to hear about today. And I, I like the message behind it. But uh, he, when, the, when, the, when the gun sounded, that dude took off. And I was like, man, I'm going to have to be in this thing for at least 5K, so I'm going to have to kind of pace myself. And, and that guy was running. And so I was like, man, I got, this is going to be awesome. I just can't wait to see his time. And I got down the road a little bit, and he was walking off the side of the road. He was done. And uh, I found out later on that the fountain and paper was there, and, and they take pictures of the ones right out of the block. And so he just wanted to, see, he wanted to get in the picture, man. He just wanted to make sure he was seen. Talked to him about it later, and we had a pretty good time, kind of laughed about it. But this thing is endurance, this race that I'm talking about. Run it with endurance set before us. And this is the only way you'll finish strong. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. That's awesome. 
That's awesome. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's pray together. And I'm going to turn myself down just a little bit on this stage because I'm, I'm ringing. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Let's talk to him one more time. God, thank you today <clears throat> that you're in this place. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're in this room right now by your spirit. And God, I just pray, Father, that we'll get this word inside of our hearts today. God, I, I, I sense that you want to do something special in this room today, God. So let us today come before you with open hearts, repentant hearts, clear, clear minds and understanding, God, that you want to do something in us, God. And I thank you today that... Lord, your Holy Spirit is here, God. And I just pray, Lord, you help me to use our time wisely, God. I pray, God, to bring glory and honor to your name. And I thank you most of all, Lord, that your son Jesus died on the cross for us so we could have life today. And I just pray, Lord, that life will get into each person in this room, God. And I pray, God, that our vision and our minds and our eyes will get so fixed on your son, God, that we finish strong. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. High five your neighbor one more time. Amen. I love getting y'all out of, out of all comfort places today, man. Take you back to the day. But we are today, we are in a series called Alive. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, are you alive this morning? Are you alive this morning? <clears throat> oh, man, we kicked it off in Easter. We kicked off this series, and we began to see... And we begin to discuss the, the resurrection of Jesus. And we discuss that he is alive. Oh, man, I just love it. I just love the fact today that I believe we're worshiping a God who's living. And I, I just, it breaks my heart that young men get wrapped up and, and their minds get consumed and they're willing to kill and die for a lie. Come on, they're willing to kill and die, strap bombs on their bodies and walk into crowded places and, and detonate those things because they're willing to die for a lie when we have the truth of the living God inside of us and sometimes we won't even live for that. Come on, Jesus today is alive. Amen? He's alive. He is alive right now. Come on, don't pat a cake. That was, that's, that's clapworthy. <clears throat> Amen. He's alive. Not only is he alive, he is life. He is life. And he also today gives us life. And, and we learned day one in this series that there are keys, and Jesus holds them. And he holds those keys. And in those keys, they're in, found in the book of life. It's called the Bible. And, and, and in that book, the keys that are there to help us walk out this abundant life, this life in full, this true resurrected life. And I'm just pumped today because some of the keys that God's just been showing me, and, I, and I'm just pumped, and I hope you get it like God's been giving it to me. But today, we're going to talk about and discuss that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus. That's the key today. That's what we're going to talk about, that we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. We're going to look to him. This scripture says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That, that scripture means that you set him there. You don't look at what's going on around you. You don't look to the left or right. You look to Jesus. He's there for you. He's waiting in that place with you, and, and you have to fix your eyes on that place. And I know this, and I'm up here preaching something, trying to give you something that I know is not always easy. It's not always convenient to do what I'm talking about today. It's not always simple. It gets you into a place sometimes where people look at you strange when you do this. It gets you into a place where people kind of wonder what's going on, what kind of person you are. But it always for us today is a choice to do this. It is a choice that we fix our eyes on Jesus. It is a choice that we look to him. And I'm telling you, and men, I'm telling you, we have to, as heads of our home guys, we have to make the choice for our family that we're going to look to Jesus. 
I love it. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If my kids didn't want to follow Jesus, they didn't sign up for the wrong family. Oh, come on. I mean, they didn't got the wrong family. This is, they didn't sign up for the, they got the long, wrong last name. God should have never put Caleb up for adoption if he wanted him to serve another God because he didn't put him in my house. And, and so we're going to follow Jesus. We're going to look to the Philippian jailer who got saved. Bible said his whole household got saved because the daddy got saved. So we're going to make a choice and I love it. And we're seeing that God's raising up a generation and he's going to continue to do that. And the next move of God, he really wants to do in this world. And I believe it's from come from men who are rising up Step into the forefront saying, me and my house, we're going to serve Jesus. That's what we're going to do. I'm telling you, I love it. I, 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 the other day, we, we pray. As I take Caleb to school each day and we pray, um, I love kind of what's going on. This, this, this I, don't know, I don't know what you call it, kind of, I guess, maturity, even as an eight-year-old, kind of what I see happening in Caleb. Uh, the majority of his prayer time on that morning commute to school consisted usually of him getting on the green list. And that was his, that was his, that was his intercession. And, uh, you know, that was his heart. It was interesting. He don't even ask for that anymore. I don't even hear that come from him anymore. But the other day he was just praying. Uh, he's on to something right now. And he just began to say, God, I thank you. So he started off. He said, God, I thank you. I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for every day. And I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. And I'm telling you, I love it. I don't care if he never throws a, a, a 85-yard home of, what is it, touchdown. I don't care if he never hits a ball over the fence. I don't care if he never catches a 10-pound bass. That means nothing to me. To hear him say, God, I love you. I thank you. I give you praise for dying on the cross for my sins. That's worth everything. Come on, we, we've done this. We've allowed the world to show our kids what success is. <clears throat> I'm tired of that. Success is seeing Jesus. Oh, come on, y'all missed a good spot. Success is seeing Jesus, and we've got to seek him. We've got to seek him. Isaiah 55, 6 says this. He says to seek the Lord while he may be found. <clears throat> seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. There'll be times in your life where he's passing by, and if you're not ready, and if you don't get your eyes on that, see that, you'll miss it. And so we see in Scripture today that he or to swear to seek after him. Turn to Luke chapter 19. Turn to Luke chapter 19. Chapter 19. Get some water while you turn there. Is everybody going digital now with their book, with their Bibles? I hear very little pages anymore in God's house. And I love, I love digital. <clears throat> but you need you a Bible. You need you a Bible that you can underline, write in, highlight. I know you can do it digital. I've got it. I do it. Get you a Bible that you can highlight. Something you can pass down, down to your next generation. I'm on the iPad. It's going to crash. Come on, by the time they, you go gone, they're going to be iPad 57. <laughs> Come on, it's gone, it's gone. I got one. I mean, but it, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to leave them something. It's going to have notes and it's going to highlights and it's going to have stuff in it where God spoke to that in the, in the Bible. So it's going to get you a Bible. Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. I want to read it. I, I want you to go with me. It says this. It says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. This is a great story. You may have heard it if you went to Sunday school about a young man named Zacchaeus. And it says that he passed, Jesus passed through Jericho. And verse 2 says, Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short stature. 
So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up, saw him, and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste. Come down for today. I'm going to stay at your house. Come on, you'll hear something today that when you get, a, get, get in a place where you see Jesus and he sees you, he's going to show up at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when he saw it, they all complained, saying he was gone to be a guest with a man who was a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And I love red letters. And Jesus said to him, today... Salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Um, Today, I want to talk and get in our hearts today that we're to fix our eyes on Jesus. We're to get a picture and we're to to see him. And and so today I'm going to give you three things that hopefully we'll understand and be able to use in our daily walk. Number one is this. You have to get in position. You have to get in position. You have to get in position. Zacchaeus had to get in position. Little guy showed up, got in the crowd. He heard about Jesus coming, and then he goes, and because of his short stature, because he couldn't see, because of what's going on, he had to go get in position to do this. He said, I'm not going to let this Jesus I heard about come by and go through town and me miss it. I done, heard, I done heard he's an opened eyes up. I heard he opened, opened ears up. I heard he got people out of the grave. There's no way I'm going to let him come pass by me and me not see him. I'm telling you, Zacchaeus had a, had a heart. We give the guy a hard time because he was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. Amen. And, uh, but, but, but we got to see today, he didn't let that stop him. He began to see that I got to get myself in position to see Jesus. And I'm telling you, today, you have to move sometime. You have to step out sometime. I love while ago. I know I got some of you guys uncomfortable when I ask you to step out of your comfort zone. And, and, and I, and I can't, because here's the deal. Sometimes you have to get into position and into place. Sometimes because of where you're at, you miss what God has for you. And so you have to get yourself into the place and the position of where he does this. And Zach said this, I'm not going to miss him. I'm going to see him for myself. Verse 3, he said, he sought to see Jesus, but could not because of the crowd. For he was of short stature, so he ran ahead and climbed up. He ran ahead, and then he climbed up. He got himself into the place. Position is critical. Second Chronicles 20:17. Don't have time to give you much of the history, but I love the verse behind it. There was war getting ready to take place. There was a battle fixing to go down, and, and the prophet spoke, and he said this in verse 17 of Second Chronicles. He said this. He said, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. These guys had to get in position. There's going to be some battles that you won't have to fight simply because you're in the right position. There's going to be some battles you won't even have to war. I know we're coming out of a heavy-duty spiritual warfare series, but there'll be some battles that you won't have to fight if you're just in the right place with your eyes looking dead at Jesus, with your eyes fixed directly on him, not looking at anything else but fixed your eyes on Jesus, and they looked at him. And I love it. I love it. Zacchaeus, he, he didn't go home because he was short. 
He didn't get to the place. He didn't say it's crowded, and so I'm going to go into the house. I tried. He didn't come to church and show up and say, well, he didn't sing my song today, so I'm going to go into the house. I'm going to put it on the CD and listen to it. Oh, we don't do that, do we? We don't do that. We don't, we don't. Pastor didn't preach my message. I'm going to put so-and-so on. Listen, No, listen to me. He says, I'm going to do whatever he had to do. I like this dude. I like him. I like his heart. I like what he had in mind. He says, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to get uncomfortable. I'm not willing to give up. I'm not willing to quit just because it didn't go my way. I heard about Jesus and I showed up. I did my part. I came to church. I came to the place and it maybe didn't happen. He said, no, I'm going to do what I have to do. I'm going to get myself into the position and I'm going to see him. I'm going to get a picture, get a glimpse of him. That's what happens during worship if we ever get it. That's what happens during praise and worship, when we're singing honor to him. We're giving praise to him. That's not a time where we're just listening to a praise team sing. It's not a time where we're going through emotions that kind of kill a little bit of time before I get up here and read scripture to you. It is a time where we're getting in position, and God is getting himself into a place where we can see him. And we can get our eyes fixed on him. So you have to do this. You have to get yourself into a position and fix your eyes on him. That's number one. Number two is this. Don't let others or your surroundings stop you. Don't let others or your surroundings stop you. This guy was in the crowd, but wasn't of the crowd. This guy was a part of this thing, but he wasn't going to let the crowd control him. He says, I'm going to tell you what. He says, I'm going to go ahead and step above that. I'm going to move right out in front of that, and I'm going to get me some Jesus. I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to get me a picture of him. Listen to me, so many times we let the crowd control us. We do. When, and I, it happened in youth ministry, and it happens with adults. We just grown-up youth is all we are now. And, I mean, it's just always, when we were this group, we're, we're that. When we were this group, we're that. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm just telling you. I'm just real today. Holy Spirit's been messing with me about some stuff. And, and we just get in one place, and we're, we're, we're all that, there. And then we go over here, and then we're, we're this. There's some of you that you work with, you've been working with for years, has no idea you come to church on Sunday morning, lift up your hands and worship and cry and praise Jesus. That's a catastrophe. That's a disaster. Young people, there's, there's people that you go to school with, you spend every day with, and they have no idea you go back every Wednesday night and jump up and down and lift your hands and, and praise God. They have no idea. That is a disaster. It's because we so many times let the crowd control us. We get mixed into this thing. We get sucked into it. We get pulled in. And if the group goes this way, that's the way I'm going. If it goes this way, that's what I'm going. Zacchaeus did this. He says, I'm not going to let my situation and my surroundings control where I'm at. He says, I'm going to make a decision. And and you will have to do this at some place in your life. You will have to make a decision whether or not you will stay with the crowd or go after Jesus. You will have to make a decision. Every person in this room, you have to decide whether or not you want to fit in with Joneses, Smiths, the Rogers. You're going to see, are you going to do this? I'm going to fit in with Jesus. I'm going to come into him. I'm going to have him in me. And I'm going to go after to a place where I have to get in that place. And you might have to run ahead of some stuff. You might have to climb above some stuff. You might have to leave some stuff behind you. But you have to go after this thing and begin to get yourself in a position. And don't let everything control you. Turn to Matthew real quick. <clears throat> a lot of Bible today. Y'all okay with that? 
Matthew 14. Matthew 14. This is a cool story. Matthew 14, 22 through 33. I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to skip some of that for time. I want to jump into this thing. <clears throat> Peter is in a boat. The disciples are in the boat. They're on the other way to the other side. Storm shows up. Jesus was doing this. He was in a place of prayer. He understood. He knew their dilemma. Jesus always knows your dilemma. He always knows what you're going through. Right now, some of you think that he has no idea. Or you think even worse, you think he don't care. He knows where you're at. He knew where these guys were at. And because he was in a place of prayer, he was in that moment. The Bible says that he began to come to them and he began to walk towards them. Verse 25 says, it was the fourth watch of the night. Jesus went to them. He was walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, said, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Verse 29, so he said, come. Anytime you want to see him, his response will always be come. He'll never turn you away. Wow. Come on, somebody needs to hear that. Anytime you want to come to him, his, his response has always come. <clears throat> Peter came down out of the boat and he walked on the water to Jesus. Dude, we drill him, man. We give him the hardest time because he sunk. We give him the hardest times because he took his eyes off Jesus. We blast him. And I've heard more, more messages preached about going under than walking on water. He did something nobody else other than Jesus did. He walked on water. Yeah, he did it, and we know the story. The Bible says he got afraid, and he began to take his eyes off of Jesus and began to look to other things. But listen to me. Anytime you have your eyes on Jesus, you'll walk over top of the situation that's coming against you today. And every time, every way, you'll always walk over. <clears throat> Don't let other things and other surroundings stop you. Move forward. Number three is this. Don't let your faults stop you. Don't let your faults and your failures stop you. Zacchaeus, man, had all of these things stacked against him. <laughs> Just in the first verse, all these things stacked against him. The Bible calls him the chief tax collector. You know what that is? That is the IRS. <laughs> Nobody has IRS shirts, you know, and wear them around and stickers. And on their, I love IRS. Yes, I do. I love IRS. How about you? I mean, nobody does that. I mean, nobody loves the IRS. He was the chief tax collector. This dude, man, was hated. Nobody loved him. Nobody cared about him. This guy, nobody wanted to see him coming. As a matter of fact, I believe this is probably what happened. He got in the crowd and some of them seen who he was and may have just stepped right in front of him. And may have looked back and smiled at him just a little bit and said, yeah, you short. Yeah, you short. Go on to the house. And, and, and he also, the Bible says this, he was rich. Now, now some, you know, this is, this is one of those deals. Rich gets a bad, bad uh, rap sometimes. Listen to me. Rich is, is, becomes a problem when we do this, when we worship the wealth and we worship the gift instead of the giver. 
And so it's given to us. We're given finances. We can be rich in him. We can have rich blessings. And he always gives us saints to bless him and bless others. But Luke 18, 25 says, For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. That's because so many times our possessions or our desire for them become our God. And so Zacchaeus, here he was, he had all this stuff stacked against him, man. He had everything that he, he was hated. Nobody loved him. He was short and he was rich. But he said this, I will not let that stop me. I will not let this stop me. And so he does this. He goes and gets himself into position, into the place. He said, I'm not going to let my faults keep me here any longer. I'm not going to let my failures keep me here any longer. Here's what you will have to do today. You will have to decide, yeah, you messed up. You're going to let that keep you where you're at, or you're going to go after Jesus. Yes, you dropped the ball. Are you going to get up? Are you going to go after Jesus? Are you going to experience him? Are you going to fix your eyes on him? Yeah, you did this. You took your eyes off of him. You went under. All right, are you going to do this? Are you going to get his hand when he comes by and look to him and walk back to the boat with him right over top of your situation? You have to make the decision. And he said this, I'm not going to let my past failures, my faults, my surroundings, my situation, or even my stature keep me where I'm at. He said, I'm going to see Jesus. And so he does this. And here's the deal. We all have issues. We all have things. We all have situations and things that we have to struggle and come against. And you see it throughout Scripture. And so many times we look at the natural instead of looking who's walking with us. You see it starting with Moses. Man, God called him to go lead a revolution and change the world. And he said, I can't even talk good. Jesus said, I'm with you. We see the, the picture in Samuel where David is getting ready to be anointed king. And he, didn't, he wasn't even a part of the lineup. He didn't even make the cut. He was the last one in line. He was out on the field somewhere, and they went through all the other brothers because they said, surely it's not going to be him. Surely it's not going to be that guy. Verse 7 of 1 Samuel 16 says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature. If you're short today, I mean, I'm telling you, Jesus is going to do something in you. I mean, they two are right here. God's showing some stuff, letting you know that your physical situation is no determination of what, what God wants to do in your life. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And he made David a king because he knew he was passionately pursuing him. It don't matter today. Listen to me. Zacchaeus sought Jesus. He was in his place. He had to get himself in position. He had to leave other things behind him. He couldn't let his faults keep him where, am I, where he was at. And as a result, this is what happened, and I love it. Jesus saw him. And he saw Jesus. They had this encounter together, and I love it. When you get yourself in the place, yeah, everything else is going on wrong. I can see this little dude climb up the tree, man. I can see all the chaos happening around him. All the noise and stuff that takes place when, when somebody big comes to town. When everything is going on and, and I don't know what type of instruments they may have and what was going on and what kind of hoopla and fanfare. I don't know what all was taking place, but Zacchaeus got into the place and he looked across the crowd. He looked over every bit of the problems and he fixed his eyes on Jesus. And Jesus fixed his eyes on him. And they had this encounter today. And, and I love it. Zacchaeus was a sinner. He was a failure. He was a fall. He had all these things. But verse 10 says this, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Listen to me. God is seeking after you. 
God is passionately today pursuing you. Every person in this room, he's longing. He's going after you in every way that he can. And I love it. I love it. And this is what he'll do to you today. He didn't say, short dude, IRS, Uncle Sam. He said, listen to me, Zacchaeus. He called him by name. called him by name. And listen to me. I, here's, here's what's so awesome about Jesus. He knows your name today. He knows your name today. I know you feel like you're in a crowded place. I know you feel like everything's going wrong and everything's chaos is happening. Listen to me. He knows your name. If you listen to it, if you just turn your ears to him, you can hear him just begin to call you. I want you to stand with me in this room right now the worship team come around. Some of you listen to me closely. Hear what I'm getting ready to say. You hear and you feel like you don't measure up. You're here and you feel like you don't measure up. You're here and you feel like you're all alone. You're here and you feel like because of all your past flaws, because of your past hurts, because of your past pains, because of the junk that's going on maybe currently. You don't qualify. He knows your name. He knows your name. And this is what he wants to do so desperately. He wants to come to your house. The Bible said he's a temple, that we're the temple of Christ. He wants to come to your house. Scripture says, look unto Jesus. <laughs> look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Listen to me. He endured a cross for you. He went through the pain. He went through the anguish. He went through death. He went through beating and torture. He got on the cross and gave his life. He endured it because the joy that set before him, because he knew this day would come for you. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I believe it's many in this room right now. Other things and situations have so clouded your picture of Jesus. Other things and and situations and and finances or or injury or, or heartbreak have clouded your picture of Jesus. Oh, but today I'm telling you so desperately, so desperately, he wants you to quit looking at those things and look to him.